0: meeting, and um, they got him to the emergency room, and, and now his uh, kidneys are failing, so I want to i want to just, we, we, you know, we serve a God of the impossible, we serve a God that is still a, in the miracle working business, and I want to pray for Frank and anybody else here from the family, if you guys are just part of the family, if you guys would just stand up, and we want to lay hands on you, and I'm not sure, Arlene, are you back there? You could just stand up right where you are if you want, we'll just, some of you guys gather around Arlene, and we're going to pray for their family as they go through this difficult time. So, Father, we just thank you, God, that uh, you were in control of all things. And I want to ask, first of all, that your peace would come upon the family, Lord, upon Frank and Arlene and Joni and all the family members, Lord, upon Toby and his family. And, God, we just ask that your supernatural hand would be upon him. and. Lord, we serve the God that is able to raise the dead, and we just ask that you would just breathe over Toby this morning, that your healing hand would be upon him. God, that you would bring restoration to his body. God, that you are the great physician. And we just say, uh, Lord, that we just ask you in Jesus' name that you would heal him, breathe life into him. Your word says that when we were in our mother's womb, we were fearfully and wonderfully made, God, that you knit us together in that womb. And we're asking you, God, because you did that one time that you can do it again, that you can mend his heart, that you can fix his heart. And any of the other organs in his body, we just ask your healing hand to be upon them. But, God, above all, we just ask peace for the family, for every family member, God, that you would comfort every heart. Give them peace and let them be at rest in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys.
1: Well, by now you guessed my name is Frank Tercero. I'm Toby's brother. And I have the, the privilege of being able to address you guys this morning to take up our offering But I'd like to welcome all you visitors, those people that are here for the first time. How many visitors do we have today? Those of you that are visitors, if this is your first time here, there's an arch right outside the door by the foyer. There's a couple of young ladies in there that are very excited to give you a free coffee mug and a handout. So you can stop by that arch and they'll do that for you. And in a moment, we're going to be taking up our tithes and offerings, along with our contributions for the building project. Be sure you mark those contributions, building project. Before we do, allow me to share these thoughts with you. I was reading the book of Acts chapter 19 about Paul's first visit to Ephesus. Let me share it with you, beginning with verse 1, chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the land, through the inland country, and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, then into what baptism were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. He says, well, John baptized with a baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That's Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Why did they and why do we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because without the Holy Spirit, we're walking in our own strength, which amounts to nothing in comparison to the enemy's strength. And because our Lord Jesus instructed us to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes so that we can be witnesses for him. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you, upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So how did that come about? Well, we read in chapter 2 of Acts, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Another time it says they were gathered And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let me ask all of you born-again believers, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? The Holy Spirit is here for you and for all who believe. Those of you desiring to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit... Please come up at the end of the service, and pastor and the elders, those that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, will lay hands on you so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. His power is endless, and we need it in our lives, especially today. Now, Peter says, quoting the words of the prophet Joel, or Joel, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, declares God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if there are any of you here this morning who have not had the opportunity to turn your lives over to Jesus, today you have that opportunity. So what must we do, you ask? Peter tells us, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So I exhort you, brothers and sisters, those of you that don't know the Lord yet, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And come up at the end of this service and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every blessing, Lord. Every blessing you've blessed us with. And as a sign of our obedience and gratefulness, we bring these offerings to you. Please bless the gifts and the givers. And use them for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Welcome to The Light at Mission Viejo. If you are new to our church, please visit our Welcome Center, where you will receive a gift bag and a mug. Building Project Church, let's come together and be faithful to our Building Project Fund. Our goal is $100,000. Proverbs 18.16 says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Let God open the way for you by giving generously. Nursery Ministry We are seeking a volunteer for our nursery. Commitment would include one Sunday per month. Please contact Adele or leave her a message in the office at 982-2080. Men's Breakfast We will be having our men's breakfast March the 2nd at 9 a.m. Our special speaker for this month will be Marcos Esquivel. Please come and have a wonderful time of fellowship with other God-seeking men. Sozo Student Ministries Sozo is our student ministry for teens. It is a place where teens can be themselves, have fun, hang out, learn the Word of God, and be supported by one another. They come together every Friday night from 7 to 10 p.m. If you are a teen or you know someone that might be interested, please come join us this Friday evening. If you have questions, you may contact Jason Sebesta at 922080. Thank you for joining us at The Light at Mission Viejo. We hope you enjoy the service.
3: I went my whole life not believing that, that hell was real. I said, you know, I didn't want to believe in all that dark stuff, you know. I, there's no hell. That's what I thought. But there is a hell.
4: Jordan decided to smoke some pot. He didn't know the pipe he used was laced with crack cocaine, something he had never done before. Jordan was sure he was dying.
3: I can feel my heart going boop, 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 boop. Slow it down, boop, 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 And then, boop, 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 like, fluttering.
4: <shrut> Jordan believes in that moment he went to hell
3: all these women and all the things you think you want in the world, money, car, success, you know, um, all these things that I had and I, I was driving, I was just loving it. And then all of a sudden this car broke down. All of a sudden these women turned to huge, huge demons and the, it, it, it earthquake. And I looked behind me and I can hear screaming. It's all red and black. Ah, turn around, turn around, get out of here. It sounded like people burning people that were just just burning that couldn't find a cure or a fix to anything. It was just the worst. And I remember being afraid, gripping the steering wheel. And all of a sudden, it was like, I'm back to my body in the trailer room.
4: As Jordan was taking what he thought was his last breath, he made a declaration of faith to God.
3: And my heart's going, boom, boom, like the last beat. Not even knowing why, I just said, believe, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm gone.
4: That's when Jordan says Jesus pulled him out of hell and took him to heaven.
3: He was all in white. He was in a robe when I saw him. And he looked at me, and he wears a crown on his head. His eyes are fierce like fire, but there is no like, like color. Just bright looking at me. And he's just, he's like, just, he just is amazing. You're at his feet, you're at the Lord's feet because he's just perfect. You worship him because he's the Almighty. You worship him because he's, he's, he saved us.
4: Then Jordan believes he was standing before God.
3: The Lord went to the right hand of the Father and I began to get judged by the Father. And it was the worst because what happened was he, he played secrets in my heart that I locked with that I only knew that I ever did. I thought no one could do it and I could feel what God felt. And I said, Lord, forgive me. Like it was the worst feeling. And he just comes in and he hugs you. He says, all is forgiven. My old heart was was broken. My old heart needed fixing. And God gave me a new heart. All of a sudden he told me he loved me, that I'm not alone, that I've never been alone. He showed me all the times in my life where I thought I was lucky, that I thought I was alone, but how his hand was always just upon me and he was always right there pursuing me non-stop. He hugged me again, told me he loved me, and all of a sudden, I was like I'm back in my trailer room on the floor. I grabbed the Bible. It was like it was glowing and I held it. I opened up the Bible. First thing I ever read out of the Bible was Psalms 34, the happiness of those who trust in God. I began to read, it and it was everything that just happened to me. Only God can do that.
0: All right. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Glad you're here this morning. We're in a two-part, our second part of a three-part series. Um, as I mentioned last week, I was listening to a, a series at, at Life Church, and I'd been studying the subject myself about what happens after we die. And I just kind of blended some of my thoughts with some of their thoughts. And uh, so last week, just I want to recap with you. We talked about um, uh, the moment that you die, what happens the moment that you die, and um, we talked about um, when you take, like as Jordan was saying, that was the young man's name, when you take that last breath. And I shared with uh, some of you, um, you know, my story as well. When you take that last breath, you know, your, your body and your soul begin to separate. And the, the Scripture says that if you're a believer, that when, you're, when you're, your spirit, your soul separates, to be absent from the body is what the Word says, is to be present with the Lord, so that when your, your body, your, this physical body dies, then your spirit, your soul goes to be with the Lord. If you're a believer, if you're not a believer, we're going to talk about that today. Then uh, there is a place. It's called Sheol in the Old Testament, Hades in the New Testament, where your your spirit goes and you wait there. It's a place of judgment. You wait until this to the time of judgment. Uh, but your 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 spirit, your soul is held in what's called Hades. Um, you know, as we talk about this series and Maybe some of you have heard this before. I may have even said it. Uh, but uh, there are over, uh, so, I mean, the statement is that there, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. That's not true. That is not actually true. There's, a, there's 54, if you're using a King James Bible, there are 54 references in both Old Testament and New Testament to hell. There's over 600 references to heaven in the Bible. Uh, in the, in the Bible itself, combination of Old Testament and New Testament. Hey, you know what? I need to, can I share some good news with you? All right. Because this is kind of a heavy subject that we're talking about right now. And nobody wants to talk about death and nobody wants to talk about hell, okay? But in Acts chapter 20, um, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders, and he says, I have not withheld giving you the whole counsel of God. That's what he said. And he said, I'm talking about the hard parts. I'm talking about the things that nobody wants to talk about today and here in this church. And it's hard to get up sometimes and talk about homosexuality. It's hard to talk about abortion. It's hard to talk about the sexual sins. But you know, God has commissioned me to preach the word of God and I can't hold anything back. I can't hold back the Word of God because of what you might think or how you might feel. So, but that was not the good news. I mean, that is good news, but that's not what I wanted to share with you. I got this text this week, and some, some of you know that we've been doing the, um, the, Daniel, the Daniel Fast. You guys remember the Daniel Fast? All right, listen to this right here. Uh, hey, Pastor, just wanted to share some news there's power in fasting and tithing. Our baby is getting into our daycare of choice. We have the means to donate to the building fund, and we will be debt-free in less than one month. God is true to his word and promises. All right. And then he goes on to say, all of a sudden we'll be debt-free and going on a big family vacation, and only God knows how it came to pass. And then he goes on to say, all I know is we fasted and started tithing, and heaven just opened up, just very joyful. Amen. I that's some good news, isn't it? All right, back to the serious things right now. <laughs> all right, so um, about 74, this is a, a, like a, a Barna poll, 74% of Americans believe in heaven, but only 4 in 10 believe that they believe in hell or that they would spend an eternity in hell and less than one half of one percent this is one half of one percent of individuals feel like they personally would go to hell all right so the bible says let's just look at the word god can defend himself okay i'm not here to defend god he put his word out there he says enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Broad is the way, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. That's the same talking about hell, Hades, talking about this place of separation from God. He says, "And narrow is the way, and straight is the gate that uh, that leads to life, and only a few find it." So, if if I were the devil, and I'm not. But if I were the devil, the thing that I would need to do is to convince you that a good God, a loving God would never send anyone to hell. That I mean that God just would not do that. And I would just say that, you know what? That's just made up, made up to put fear in your hearts and fear in your minds and and you know just to keep you on that straight and narrow track. You know, if I were the enemy, you know, I would try to convince you that there is no hell and you can just live however you want to and it'll just pan out on the other side when you get to the other side of life it'll just happen if you've lived a good life and if you've been as good as you could be then you know maybe everything will be fine for you. If I was the enemy that's what I would try to convince you that you don't have to fear God. But remember last week we read and the scripture says you don't have to fear those that kill the body but fear him who after has, he has destroyed the body, has the power to destroy the soul in hell. That's what he said. And so, why hell? I mean, why did God even create hell? I mean, why is it even there? Well, the Bible says that God created hell so that he could deal righteously and justly with Satan, with the enemy. Listen to what the word says. It says, when the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, comes in all of his glory with the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats, sheep over here and goats over here, believers over here and unbelievers over here. And he will put the sheep on the right side and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right side, come, you who are blessed of my father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then he goes on to say that I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, and I was a stranger and you invited me in, and I needed clothes and you clothed me, and I was sick and you looked after me, and I was in prison and you came and visited me. What does that mean exactly? Does that mean if I do all of those things that I'm going to go to heaven? No, that's not what it means. We don't get to heaven by good works that we do. We do good works because Jesus came into our life and changed our heart. And we, it's our desire. we read last week, it is our desire to please him. I mean, that desire that I never had before, that I could care less about God, care less about his kingdom, care less about his word or prayer or you or anybody else. I was living for me and me alone. But when Jesus came into my heart and he changed my heart, then he put this desire into my heart to be concerned about him and his kingdom and advancing his kingdom, letting his kingdom come and and loving one another. The two great commandments, loving God and loving one another. And so he says that I was all of these things and you came to visit him or you came to visit me. And he said, Then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or, and that we gave you something to drink or naked and we clothed you? When did we see you sick and in prison and come to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire. Listen, depart, listen, you got to get this, okay? Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire. Eternal fire prepared for, help me with this, prepared for all of these nice little children right here. That's not what it says. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal fire, the lake of fire, was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you choose not to follow God, there's only one other choice that you have. If you're not following God, there's no in-between. You can't be neutral in this thing. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And he said it the other way around. If you're for me, you can't be against me. But there is no neutral zone. You can't just say, and we'll read this in just a moment, remember the parable of the talents and the, and the man that got five talents of gold, and the man that got two talents of gold, and the man that got one, and the man that got five, he doubled his, and the man that got two, he doubled his. But the man that got one, he just said, you know what? I'm going to be neutral. I, I'm, I'm just going to hide this thing. I'm not going to get involved. I'm just going to sit on the sideline. I'm going to let life go, back, go by, and, I'm, you know, nothing's going to faze me. God, you do your thing, and I'll do my thing. But at the end of the age, God came to him and said, you know, you wicked and slothful and lazy servant, you should have taken what I've given you and done something with it. Amen? Oh, it's quiet in here. It is quiet in here. All right, so he goes on to say, and I'm just going to wrap this up in in verse 45 of chapter 25. He will reply, truly I tell you, whenever or whatever you did not to one of the least of these, you didn't do it for me. And, you know, the Bible says that Satan, he's got a lot of names. He's called the destroyer. He's called the dragon, the dark angel, the serpent, the adversary, the enemy, the tempter, the wicked one, the thief, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, the angel of the abyss. He steals joy, kills faith, destroys health, ruins finances, destroys marriages, and leads our kids astray. But one of the greatest names that he has that you and I need to be aware of is that he's called a deceiver. And when a person is deception in deception, they believe the lie. They believe that what the lie that they've been told. They actually embrace it as truth. They embrace the lie as truth. And they live. They're living the lie. And that's what Jesus is trying to make us aware of. That in this age and in this hour that we're living in right now, it is so easy for any of us to get swept away and get caught up in this world and get entangled in this world so that we are blinded to thinking that what we're doing is really what God wants us to do. And yet, if we look in our own lives that we have neglected God and we've neglected His Word, we've neglected prayer, we've neglected fellowship because we're looking out for us. We're looking out for what's best for us. And God is saying it's time to, to recalculate. Those of you that have a GPS, and I hate those things, but they come in handy sometimes. But, you know, have you ever noticed that, like, especially if you've got, like, a rental car or even mine, I, I, you know, I'll put my phone on, and, uh, you know, it'll say, you know, in 200 feet, turn right. Well, I mean, start saying that, you know, like, like it seems like to me like way before 200 feet. So I always make the turn before the street that I'm supposed to turn at, and so I'm lost. And, and then the lady comes on in that nice little voice and says, recalculate, recalculating, recalculate. And, so, and then they give me a, a U-turn and go back out and then you know, take me back about a mile back where I was and we start all over again because we're recalculating. You know what, I think the Holy Spirit wants some of us to recalculate today. It's like, you know, our, we took a wrong turn somewhere. We got on, somehow we got on that wide road, and God's saying, you know what, it's time to recalculate. We need to get back on the straight and narrow road that leads to life. Are you guys with me this morning? Yeah. Come on, come on. I need you to be here. And so, um, in Revelation chapter 20, it says, the, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. We talked about this earlier just in Matthew that the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels but this is where the event actually takes place that uh, after that thousand year uh, reign the millennial, what we call the millennial reign here on earth um, it says that the devil was released for a period of time, he had been bound uh, with chains and Jesus has this millennial reign but after that he's released for a period of time and then then, you know, all hell breaks loose on earth. Jesus grabs him or an angel grabs him and says, and the devil, listen to this, this deception, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur For the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we said the first reason that God made hell, created hell, was for the devil and his angels so that he could deal righteously and justly with the devil but the second reason that he made it is so that he could deal righteously and justly with us, with people. And I know, you know, it's so hard for us to get our minds around this and the culture that we live in today. And if you're listening to those that are in prominent places, those that have uh, platforms uh, what, like you know, um, Hollywood, uh, famous sports people, those that have any kind of a platform would absolutely, most of them would disagree with this statement right here. Now, all of them think that if you're doing good, then you're okay. You're going to be okay. And, you know, that a loving God, a good God, would never throw a nice person into hell. But the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. This is, I think, in Jeremiah chapter 17. I believe it's 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked that my heart is wicked and your heart is wicked. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? So, I mean, God's saying that, you know, I I love this old song from um, um, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and there's one verse in there that just stands out in my mind every time I start thinking about this, and he says, prone to wonder, prone to wonder. God, you know I am prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love. And and that's the way that we are guys that we, you know we just we wake up with good intentions and the next thing you know is that we have drifted from God and we need to recalculate. And the way that we recalculate is getting in prayer, getting back into the word, you know, getting in fellowship with with other believers. So God created hell to deal righteously with the enemy, with Satan and his angels. He also created hell to deal righteously and justly with unbelievers. And so this is what the Scripture says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. It says that he, God, will punish those who do not know God uh, and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of God. And then we come to the story, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to go through it again because it's a good illustration of the subject that we're talking about. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. You guys will remember um, in the book of Acts when Paul had this vision, they were trying to figure out where to go and uh, they said that Paul had a vision that a man from Macedonia was calling them over and so they concluded that God was calling them to Macedonia. They go to Macedonia. They don't find a man, but they find some women. Lydia was there. She was a seller of purple. Purple was like an incredible, it was, a, it was hard, the color you know, was hard to come by. Uh, but those that dealt in purple were dealing in fine clothing. I mean, it was like the, um, uh, well, fine clothing. Who would it be? I'm asking somebody. Come on. Gucci. All right. All right. Ford. Ford. Fine clothing. Okay. Uh, fine clothing. I, you know, um, but this is the way the rich man was was dressed. He was dressed in fine, purple, fine linen. You know, someone said that, uh, that just one garment would almost be enough for a year's wages. And uh, so, this rich man was well-dressed. I mean, uh, ZZ Top, everybody loves a sharp-dressed man, okay? And that's the way this guy was, all right? He says that at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. Lazarus, that, that is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Eleazar. Uh, remember, that's what uh, Abraham's servant was named, Eleazar, which means that God is help, or God is my help. So Lazarus there, this poor man, he's covered with sores, longing to eat, which fell that which fell from the rich man's table and the dogs came and licked his sores i mean this is a very bleak picture of this man he says in the time came when the beggar died and the angels i love this okay here's that separation of soul and spirit from the body his body is just boom dead and the angels came and gather him and take him into um what is called Sheol, and so I want you to understand at this time, up until the time of Jesus, that this is a it, it, Sheol is this this place, and it held and had two compartments. <laughs> Nina and I we talk about this all the time, uh, but it, there's two compartments in Sheol, and one of them is Hades, and the other one is what's called Abraham's bosom, and so that if you're there like we'll see here in this story, that this rich man is on the bad side, this torment, tormenting place of Hades. He's in Hades or in Sheol. He's in this difficult place, this hard place, but he's looking over to the side across his great chasm, and he sees Abraham holding this man, Lazarus, this, this poor man, Lazarus. And he says, and the rich man died, and he was buried, and in Hades, where he was in torment, He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with uh, Lazarus at his side. And he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied and he said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus received bad things. Let me just stop right there. The rich man wasn't in heaven because he received good things and Lazarus wasn't, or the rich man wasn't in hell because he received good things and Lazarus wasn't in heaven because he received bad things. Lazarus was a believer and he took the word of God and believed the word of God. The rich man just kind of ignored the word of God because he was busy about himself. He was concerned about himself and his life. He was not concerned about anyone else, which is obvious from the story. You know, the, the, uh, the poor man set out his, side his gate and begged, just begged for crumbs that even a dog would eat, and the rich man could care less because he was caught up in himself. And Abraham uh, said, son, you remember that in your lifetime you received the good things while Lazarus received the bad things. He says that, but now Lazarus is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all of this, between you and us, There's a great chasm, there's a a great like canyon between us that's been set in place so that those who want to go from here over to there cannot, why would you want to? Why would you want to? You might be felt, uh, you know, you might be feeling compassion or mercy for those that are crying out, you might want to go over and, you know, help them and, and try to bring some comfort to those, but you can't. It says, so that those that want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross from over there to us. And he answered, then I beg you. Okay, he's going to, that was plan A. Get me some water. Here's plan B. He says, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. You know what? That place is full. There's a million people in that place or a billion people in that place. And all of a sudden, the rich man is saying, send Lazarus back. Could you send Lazarus back? Why not one of the other people? You know, why why not some of these other people there? Because Lazarus, Lazarus had died, and his brothers may have noticed that Lazarus was dead. And if you send Lazarus back, one that has come back from the dead to preach this message, but you know what? Here we are in the book of Luke, and I don't don't want to get too far away from the story here, but Jesus is preaching to a group of religious leaders. And this group of religious leaders have already seen some of the things that the rich man is pointing out. They may have seen another Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, being raised from the dead. But that wasn't the only one. Maybe they saw you know, the story that we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the, the, uh, the man, Jairus' daughter, that was raised from the dead. Or maybe they even heard stories about the widow of Nain who Jesus stopped this funeral procession, procession and raised this young man from the dead. See, you know, it's not these miracles that will convince you. Jesus is saying, now notice what he says. He says, I beg you, send Lazarus, to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. Listen to Abraham's reply. Abraham replied, he says, they have Moses. That's the first five books of the Bible. And they have the prophets. That's the major prophets, the minor prophets. And they have the poetry. So they have, you know, the book of wisdom. They have, what he's saying is that they have the Old Testament. They have the Bible. That was all of the Bible that they had When this story is being told, he's saying they have the Bible and if they won't listen to the Bible, they're not going to listen to even somebody raised from the dead. That's what we have today. We have the word of God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And he said to them, Abraham says to him, he says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone is raised from the dead. And so I hear people say, and uh, I may have said it myself, and maybe you have as well, you know, that, yeah, I'm just going to live my life, you know. Hell's not going to be that bad. Besides, it's going to be a party, and we're going to, I'll be there with all my friends. We're going to just party it up. We're going to have a good time in hell. We're going to be party time in hell. Well, I tell you what, what you're saying may be true. You may be in hell, and your friends may be in hell, but it won't be a party, I'm telling you that it won't be a party because the Bible says that hell is a place of isolation, that you are by yourself in this place of torment. There won't be a party. And we notice that, you know, the rich man is not talking about party. He's talking about, I'm thirsty. I'm in this place of torment. And also, I'm in this place of remorse. And I'm going to cover that more in just a moment. The Bible says that If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. And they will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. Let me just tell you, just wrapping this up, because I know that some of you are thinking, man. I have had enough, enough of hell already. Four lessons that we learn from this. Number one, we learn that this rich man was fully conscious and he was alive. Now, the Bible says that it's appointed to man once to die, and after that, the judgment. In John chapter 5, we talk about that there's going to be a resurrection. In the last day, there will be a resurrection. There will be a resurrection of the just and there will be a resurrection of the unjust. And so those that have shed this body, and their spirits and their souls are either with the Lord in heaven or in confinement in Hades until the resurrection, but at the resurrection you will be given a new body. Whether you're a believer or whether you're an unbeliever, you will get a new body. And that body, hell, the flames of hell, Will not be able to destroy that Bible, but that body will live forever. So the rich man was fully conscious and he was aware. He was aware he had memory and he had pain and he had regret. He had regret of the way that he lived his life. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me is he didn't blame God, he wasn't blaming God for where he was. I believe that he had you know, just owned it. He had owned his sin, his mistakes, his rejection of God, his rejection of God's Word, and his rejection of God's Son. He owned up to it. He knew that what he had done, that he was, what, his, his uh, treatment and his punishment was just. The second thing that we learned from the story, that his eternal destiny was fixed. There was no changing it. You cannot change it. Let me just tell you this, guys, that the decisions that you make right now The decisions that we make right now will affect our eternal destiny. And how we feel and what you believe about eternity will shape the way that you live your life today. It will will determine how you live your life today. If you don't think there's a hell, if you don't think that God is a just God and you think that, you know, he's just a nice guy up there and he's going to give everybody a pass, you know, you won't think about these things. But if you're thinking that God's word is true, And what he says about heaven is true, and what he says about hell is true. It'll change the way that you live your life right now. Also, I want to just say that, God, once you're there, you're there. There's no praying you out. You can't pray people out of hell. I mean, when they're there, they're there. You cannot pray people out of hell. Your eternity is fixed. The third thing is that he knew that his suffering was just, as I mentioned earlier. The fourth thing that he knew is that he begged and he pleaded for someone to help his family. Remember we talked about this last week? We said that there will come a time when everyone, everyone will be a believer in Jesus Christ. Everyone will be a believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess now, you're either going to con- confess as one who knows Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're going to be a believer when you see Him and you're standing before Him as the judge of your life. When the books are open, when, the, when, when you're standing before the great, great white throne and Jesus is going through the scroll and saying, is that person's name written in the Lamb's book of life? And you're going to see at that moment, you will know that you've made the mistake, the irrevocable mistake of your life. You cannot change it. It cannot be undone at that point. And that's why the Bible says, don't be messing around with this. I'm paraphrasing. I don't think it says that in the Bible, but I'm saying, th- don't mess around with this stuff, okay? This is serious. Today is the day of salvation. No messing around. And You know what? I mean, God doesn't talk about hell so that he can scare you into into heaven. That's not his plan. As I mentioned that 54 times hell is mentioned, over 600 times heaven is mentioned, and his love is mentioned as the compelling force that's driving him to, to move in your hearts and your lives. So I want to tell you that the Bible says that that God so loved the world, that God so, so loved I mean, he didn't just throw that out there. He didn't throw hell out there. It says that he so loved the world. The Bible says that the Lord is patient with you. This is the heart of God. And for anyone that thinks that God delights in putting people in hell, you're just so wrong. You're so wrong. It says the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen to what Ezekiel says, because this theme is over and over in the Bible. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. And listen to what he says here. Turn, turn, turn from your wickedness. Why should you die? That is the heart of God. Not willing that any should perish, but desiring that all of us would turn. See, the Bible says that just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And God, he, at the right time, Jesus died for you and I. when we, He didn't see anything. There was nothing good in you or me that God said, okay, yeah, he's got a little bit of good in him. No, he looked down and he said, they're they're wicked. They're evil to the core. But I love them enough that I'm going to go down. And it says that he demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, this is the love of God. This is the pure love of God. This is the true love of God, that he demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, that Jesus died for us. See, I want to just tell you guys that the God that we serve, he's not not trying to beat you up. He's not trying to scare you in hell or out of hell. Or he's not even trying to scare the hell out of you. Okay? He, this is the heart of God. He left the 99. He left the 99. He said, you know what, these are okay. Okay? But there's some out there that I've got to go after. I've got to go after because they're not okay. That's the heart of God. I'm going to leave the 99, and I'm going to go after them. I'm going to tear the house up looking for something that's valuable, the woman with the coin, because it's valuable. I'll tear this house upside down, and I will not give up until I find the something that's valuable. That's you. That's you. The Father's looking out you know, for a son that is a wayward son, and he's looking for those that have gone astray. And see, guys, i want to tell you that I believe today that many have. And, and, and so I'm gonna just give us a moment, you know. Guys, I, I just, I think it's time this morning is a recalculating moment. I know it is for me, because when I look at my life, I can say it's time to recalculate. And so before we do anything else, and we have time, you know, I, I would just like for each of you just to take a moment and you can, I mean, you know, if you don't feel like doing this, I'm not twisting your arm, okay? But if you feel like God's telling you, you know what, it's time to get serious, that heaven is real and hell is real and somehow I need to recalculate my life. I need to get back on track this morning. I want us to just take a moment and we can just take a, a just a minute and you can come up here, you can kneel down up here you can kneel at your seat. Uh, you can just sit in your seat if you don't feel like you can get on your knees or you can just bow in your seat. But while we're just playing something just kind of nice and soft and, you know, kind of like I want to repent and get right with God music, okay, um, that's, that's what we're going to play, okay. And so, I, I mean, I'm serious about this. because I'm, I tell you what, maybe God's not speaking to anyone else in this place but me. But God's saying, Ron, it's time to recalculate. It is time to recalculate. There's no messing around. Time is getting short. Today, today is the day of salvation for anyone that wants to come in. So let's just recalculate. Just ask the Lord to forgive us our sins. Come on, come on. You just get in the position that you want to get in and just spend some time speaking to God. And then we're going to take about three or four minutes doing this. It's not going to take a long time. We don't have to wait for the Spirit to show up because the Spirit's already here, okay? All right. And then we're going to we'll come back and then I'm going to release us in prayer, okay? i You would, uh, why don't you go ahead and stand up. And uh, I want to just pray over you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer together. And after I finish that prayer, you guys will be dismissed. And those of you that want to pray, as uh, Frank had said, if you need personal prayer, uh, our worship team will continue to minister in worship. Our prayer ministers will be up. You guys can come on up, uh, men and women, if you'll come up now, please. If you want to be involved in the prayer ministry this morning. So... If you would just go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment, I'm gonna just give the opportunity for anyone in here that wants to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning. If you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, you're not sure if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're not sure where you stand with God. You wanna make sure you wanna receive Jesus this morning. I want you to raise your hand up high so I can see it. Just go ahead and raise it up. All right, I see. All right, go ahead. Keep them up, keep them up. About, got about four or five over here back in the back. There's a couple more back there in the back. All right, we've got about eight or nine people that want to receive Jesus. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. I want you to just pray this prayer after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I'm sorry that I've grieved you, I'm sorry that I've hurt you. I ask that you would forgive me my sins and my iniquities and my trespasses. I'm asking you today that you would wash me in that cleansing blood of Jesus. I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, lead me in a way that would bring honor and glory to your name and help me to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you. Help me to live a life that's worthy of the call. Keep me on that straight and narrow path. Lord, I commit myself to you, my life to you. Cause me to love you with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind. Cause me to love my neighbors, my brothers and sisters as I love myself. For those of you that just want to get right with God this morning, I want to pray with you, Lord, that you would just lift the heavy burdens that are in our life. Lord, that you would help us to recalculate that, God, that we could love you with all of our heart, our mind, our strength, and our soul. Lord, forgive us the distractions that we have in life. For circumstances and pain and Situations have come in our life and have taken our mind off of you and your word and prayer and advancing the kingdom of God. Lord, we got so caught up in ourselves that we forgot you. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us, that you would put wind, a fresh wind in our sail and correct our course, Father. Help us, Lord. You know our strength, you know our weaknesses, Lord. We pray that you would help us to live a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, help us to be more loving. Help us to be more kind. Help us to be more Christ-centered and kingdom-centered. God, where we truly put you first. God, we can't do this by your help or by, by ourselves. We need your help. We need the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we'd even pray that now, Lord, that... We've tried to do so many things in the flesh and in our own strength. God, we just ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us a new anointing. God, cause us to hear that still, small voice saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. God, that we've allowed the cares of this world and circumstances to drown out your voice. We say, speak, Lord. Speak, your servants are listening. Speak today, Father. Give us obedient hearts to follow you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. Let's just lift up a shout of praise to our God. We serve a great God. God bless you guys. And if you need-